Well, currently we're in a message series which I've entitled Prayer That God Answers. And so let's begin this morning by asking the question, what is prayer? If we go to uh, Google for the answer, uh, it'll come up with a definition. The first definition is a devout petition to God. A devout petition to God. In other words, what most people think prayer is, is us asking God for things. It's making our requests to God. And for many people, including Christians, we simply have a long list. I've done it at times. We I call it a prayer list, right? Nothing wrong with it, but it's a list of things I'm asking God for. My needs and probably some wants on that list as well. Things that I, you know, that would be nice, God, if you gave me this. And what is the result with these type of of prayer list. Well, for many people, most of the requests don't get answered. Is there anybody here who has all the requests answered? I'm not putting my hand up because it doesn't happen for me. In fact, for many people, most of their requests don't get answered. And it can be a frustrating experience. In fact, I've heard many stories from people who have, I have met in the past who have asked God for something and they didn't get what they wanted, and they became mad at God. They became angry at God, become bitter at God. And some of these people have walked away from God because in their minds, He didn't answer, He didn't give them what they wanted when they prayed. And so prayer can become a frustrating experience for people. And that causes them to stop or, in fact, stop praying or stop going to church or different things like that. But that's not what God intends. God intends for prayer to be a wonderful experience. In the past weeks, we've gone over some of the reasons why God doesn't answer our prayers. Today, we, let's look again at one of the top reasons before we go into the solution to that problem. 1 John five fourteen and 15 says, and this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. And so the first thing these verses teaches is that as we approach God in prayer with a request, He only hears us if we ask according to His will. Now, what does that mean, asking according to God's will? Well, to ask according to God's will is to ask for things that God desires to do, that God wants to do. That is in keeping with His plan for us or for the world or whatever we're asking with regard to. And so our prayer requests, therefore, fall into one of two categories. First of all, if we ask for something that's not according to God's will, this verse says he doesn't hear us and we're not going to get an answer to that request. Of course, that makes sense, right? If God doesn't want to do something, he's not going to do it. We ask him to do something he doesn't want to do, he's not going to do it. But if we ask according to God's will, he hears those requests. And if he hears our requests, then he's going to answer, maybe not immediately, but he's going to answer in his time and in his way. And so making requests of God, there's nothing wrong with it. It's part of prayer, but it's not 
what I believe is the main purpose of prayer. If we look at the second definition of prayer with our friend Google, he says that prayer is spiritual communion with God. And I think that gets closer to the main purpose of prayer. Prayer is about building a relationship with God. Prayer is about getting to know God. And when you get to know someone, then you get to know what their will is. You get to know what their desires are. You, you get to know them more closely. And so other, in other words, the Bible teaches us that prayer is to be a two-way conversation with God. A conversation in which we speak to God and in which He speaks to us and we take the time to listen to what He is saying. And as we get to grow in our relationship with Him, as we listen more to Him and not just talk to Him, we begin to understand His will. As I mentioned before, just think about what your relationship would be with a spouse or a friend if all you ever did was simply ask them to do things for you. It might work for a little while, but it's not going to work forever. Uh, they're going to get tired of that. And to build a relationship with a human friend or a spouse requires communication, two-way communication. Speaking to them and listening to what they have to say. That's how all relationships are built. And the same is true with God. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. How to talk with God. Now, I could have named this message, How to Talk to God, but we've got that one down pretty well, right? And when we have trouble, we talk to God. We ask Him for things. But this is about how to talk with God, prayer as a two-way conversation. Jesus said in Revelation 3, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Now, these verses were written to a church full of lukewarm believers, not really on fire for God, in the town of Laodicea. And Jesus was calling on them in this passage to repent. And Jesus is saying here, it was as if these people had locked the door of their hearts to Jesus. He was standing outside and they were keeping him out. And he was knocking on their heart's door. Asking them to invite him in. To share a meal. What's he talking about? Well, this meal here is a metaphor for fellowship. A metaphor for friendship. What do you do at a meal when you're eating with a friend? You, you talk together. You talk to them. They talk back to you. You converse together. You share one another's company and conversation. And so prayer is the way that we invite, we open the door of our hearts, we invite Jesus into our lives to hear what he has to say to us. Today we're going to be looking at an example about conversing with God from the life of Abram. The Bible says that Abram was a friend of God. And friends talk. And this is just one example out of Abram's life. There are multiple examples of Abram talking to God, conversing with God that we could look at. But today we're going to look at one from Genesis chapter 15. And in this example, 
the conversation with God began with God speaking to Abram. Began oftentimes, we're going to talk about how that applies to us. Our conversations with God should begin with a promise from God. We're going to begin in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. It said, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Now the context of this is Abram had just defeated an alliance of kings in his area who had captured his nephew Lot. And he recovered Lot and the family, the people who had been captured. And God appeared and told Abram to not be afraid, for God would be his protection and he would receive a reward from God. Your reward shall be very great. And so, we're going to learn here that this conversation started with Abram listening to what God was saying to him. And so our prayers should always begin, not with our needs, but with a word from God. Either spoken directly through God, uh, by the Holy Spirit, or spoken through reading God's word in which he speaks to us as well. And so God initiated this conversation with Abram. And what did Abram do? Well, he spoke back to God. He was honest in his speech about his doubts. Verse 2, But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring. And a member of my household will be my heir. So, Abram asked God a question. It's okay to ask God questions. He answers many questions. And he answered Abram, as we'll see. And Abram's question was basically, God, you said I'm going to have this reward. What are you going to give me? Now, Abram knew that God had already given him a promise of offspring, as numerous as the dust of the, of the earth. But he was expressing his doubts about what God had promised. The years had gone by, and he and Sarah had no children. They were childless. And so, how was God going to fulfill his promise? And so, Abram asked God a question. It's okay to ask God questions. And then he waited. He listened for God to answer. It says, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. We don't know how long this took, but God spoke to him and answered the question. He said, This man, Eliezer of Damascus, shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to them, so shall your offspring be. And so Abram's question to God was about the promise that God had given him. God wants us to understand his word. He wants us to understand his promises. He may not answer every question that we ask of him, but he'll answer the questions that we need to have answered. The important questions. He begins by contradicting Abram's statement that Eliezer would be his heir. He said, no, this man is not going to be your heir. Your son that I have promised is going to be your heir. And then he directed Abram to look up in the night sky at the stars. And I'm sure back then, with no light pollution, he could see far more stars than we see today. The sky was full of bright, shining stars. He said, Abram, 
This is how many your descendants are going to be. And so that night Abram looked up. And he saw not just stars, but he saw his descendants. God had answered Abram's question. What was Abram going to do? Well, Abram chose to believe God. Verse 6, and he believed the Lord. And he counted it to him as righteousness. And when God tells you something, you have two choices, right? You can choose to believe him or you can choose to not believe him. Abram could have said, hey, you know, it's been a long time. You promised me a child. It isn't happening. I just don't think it's going to happen. But Abram didn't make that choice. He chose with his will to believe what God had said. That despite having no son, somehow he would have descendants as numerous as the stars. And if you continue to read the story in Genesis, eventually Isaac, the son of promise, was born many years later when Abram was 100 years old and Sarah was well past childbearing years. A miracle happened and the son was born according to the promise. It says here that Abram's faith was credited to him as righteousness. And what that means, according to Romans chapter 4 in the New Testament, is Abram was saved. He believed God. He believed God's word. He put his trust in God. And as God worked through Abram's faith, the promise was fulfilled. Now let's think about ourselves, how Abram's conversation with God can help us in our, in our prayer lives. It's important to begin with God's word and God's promises as we pray to him. And what that does, it, it begins to frame our prayers around God's will and not our own. If we begin with ourselves, our prayers are going to be framed around what we want and what we desire. And we could go back to the Lord's Prayer. Does it begin with asking for things? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It begins with God. It begins with God, and that's how our prayers should begin. Now, prayer is an opportunity to express doubts, to ask questions. That's okay. If we listen to God speaking to us and giving us the answers. And as God answers, we need to choose to believe, to have faith that he's going to be with us and bring those answers to pass. And so this week, think about your prayer life. Think about the requests you make. Think about whether you're conversing with God or simply speaking to God. How do you listen to God? Well, the first tip is to be quiet, to stop talking. If you're talking to God, asking for all these things, it's impossible to really hear from Him. To hear from God, you need to be quiet. Wait on God. The Bible talks about that a lot. Waiting on God, listening to Him speak. Now, I'm not talking, some people get confused. You're talking about an audible voice. Well, God could do that. I've never experienced an audible voice. Uh, it's something you, you recognize in your heart, in your spirit, in your mind. God puts thoughts into your mind. He's speaking to you. Oftentimes, I will write down the things that I think God is speaking to me, that I'm hearing God speak to me. You don't have to do that, but it's one way to remember. 
And as you analyze, as you think about your own prayer life, are there promises of God that you're beginning with with respect to your prayers? Begin to pattern your prayer life after this, after this example that we've seen of Abram today. And as you do, I believe that our requests will line up more and more with the will of God as we listen to Him speak, as we take our eyes off ourselves and our needs and put them on Him. Now surely we can ask God for our needs. We can ask God uh, requests. But let's filter those through His will, what He wants. As we seek His kingdom first, He will meet the needs that we have. Let's continue on with our story in verse 7. God then speaks to Abram again. He said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from the Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. And so this is the second promise that God had given to Abram. The first promise was a son and all these descendants. The second promise that was that he was going to give a land to Abram's descendants to live in. Not only would this son have many descendants, these descendants would have what we often refer to as the promised land. Why do we call it the promised land? Because God promised it uh, to Abram and his descendants. Now, Abram was already living in this land, but there were many other people living there. There were little kingdoms and things there, uh, and they had their turf, and Abram had his little part. And so Abram had a question. Uh, he's going to have a question. God is saying, I'm going to bring you into this land. I'm going to give it to your descendants. Uh, and so he had another question. He expressed his question in verse 8. He said, oh Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? You know, he's told me I can possess, but how am I going to know this is really going to happen? So he asked God this question. And so Abram wanted some proof. He wanted some evidence that the land, that to him seemed impossible to drive out all these other kings and peoples living there, would really be the land of his descendants. Let's see how God answered that question. He didn't answer it immediately. And I think this is important. He, instead, he gave Abram some instructions, some directions. In verse 10, and he, God, said to him, Abram, bring me a heifer, three years old, and a female goat, three years old, and a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other, but he did not cut the birds in half. So God gave Abram some instructions, and these instructions were to prepare a sacrifice. Prepare a sacrifice, you needed some animals, and you needed to... Uh, sacrificed them, killed them, and they were arranged, laid out, we'll talk about that in a minute, uh, cut in two. And so when Abram was conversing with God in prayer, God gave him some commands to carry out. And so that kind of reverses how some people think of God. You know, God is up there and we tell him things to do. Well, God is not our Santa Claus in the sky. Uh, God does what he wants to do. And not what we want to do, unless what we want is what God wants. And so, prayer is about us following God's directions. 
So when you're listening to God in prayer, yes, He will certainly tell you that He loves you. He'll encourage you. He's going to tell you things to do. Things to obey. Instructions to carry out. And so Abraham obeyed God. He prepared the sacrifice. And he also had to fight against some opposition. Verse 11, And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. And what's with these birds? Well, I mean, you understand there's birds that eat dead things. Uh, but in the Bible, birds are also a symbol of evil or demonic spirits. Now, in this case, I mean, these were real birds that were trying to eat, eat that. But Abram had to stay vigilant. He had to protect the sacrifice. And at the end, Abram was exhausted. He fell into this deep, deep sleep. And during that deep sleep, God appeared to him to really give him the answer to his question of how he could know they would possess the land. Verse 17, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying to your offspring, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. And so this smoking fire pot and a blazing torch, it was the way God chose to appear to Abram. They passed between these pieces of sacrificed animals and God made a covenant with Abram. Now, in ancient times, the two parties that made a covenant or a promise to one another, they would walk between the pieces of an animal sacrifice. And what that meant was, if they didn't keep their end of the bargain in the covenant, they should be as these slain animals would be. You know, make, make, I'm going to be uh, dead if I don't keep my part of the covenant. Now in this case, only one party passed through the pieces. It was God. God went through the pieces. He said, I'm making a solemn vow, a solemn covenant that I'm going to keep my promise and your descendants are going to inherit the land. Now, we didn't read all the verses. We didn't have time this morning. Between verses 13 and 16, God told, amazingly, Abram what was going to happen. Now, if you know the Old Testament story, uh, they went into the, Abram's descendants, Isaac and his descendants, went, into, uh, went to Egypt because there was a famine and they were going to stay there. God told them, you're going to go in another land and stay there for a few years, no, 400 years. Long past Abram's lifetime. They're going to stay there 400 years. And then God was going to bring them out into the land. And that was his promise to Abram. And so God answered Abram's doubts. He answered Abram's questions about the land. He made this covenant with Abram. And Abram believed God. He was a friend of God. Of course, he's in the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, a man of faith. There's no doubt in my mind whatsoever we will meet Abram, Abraham, as his name was changed, in heaven one day. And he'll have some wonderful stories uh, to tell us. One of the people I really want to talk to. 
So now let's apply these principles from this second part of Abraham's conversation with God to our prayer life. Again, our prayer should begin with the Word of God. Uh, practically in our daily quiet time, read God's Word. Read the Bible. Read it systematically. Uh, read, read through it. Not just once. Read through it more than once. Read the parts you like. Read the parts you don't like. They're all part of God's Word. Okay, and uh, some parts are harder to understand than others. Uh, as you read it, God will show you things from it. And as you read God's word, look to find a promise. Something God is promising he wants to do. Look to understand God's will. Look to find an instruction, something you can apply to your life. Something that you can pray back to God. Listen to God speak. He'll speak through his word to you if you take time to read it and listen. In fact, that's one of the keys to this new Sunday night or Wednesday night group that we're going to be starting. Not just to understand God's word, but to listen. Listen to what God is saying as we read his word. It's okay to ask questions. God, I don't understand this. Can you explain it to me? God, what do you want me to do? I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. Obeying God may not be easy. It usually isn't. There's opposition. But we fight through that as Abram did. And ultimately God will fulfill his promise to us. And will reap the blessing. And so today we've looked at one example from Abram's life of conversational prayer. Of Abram as a friend of God. Talking to God. Asking God questions. Receiving answers. Receiving instructions. Following God's instructions, a lot of things there. Conversing with God is a way to build a relationship with God. Listening to what God has to say to us. And as we understand God better, as I, we build our relationship with Him deeper, we will better understand God's will for our lives. And so we'll be able to pray according to God's will more completely. And the end result will be, we'll see more of our prayers answered. And Jesus even said that God wants to answer our prayers. And as we see our prayers answered, it brings joy into our lives. We know God's alive. We know he's real. And he's working in our lives. And our faith will grow as God answers small things so we can believe him for even greater things. Now, this all begins with a relationship with God. We need to begin a relationship with God. God spoke to us in his word about how to begin a relationship. It's to admit, first of all, that we've sinned. We've been following our own plan, our own will for our lives, not his. We repent. We turn away from that sin. We believe in Jesus Christ, put our faith and trust in him. We believe he died on the cross to forgive our sins. He rose from the dead three days later and we commit ourselves to following him as our Lord and Savior. So I'm going to pray right now. I'd like to ask everyone to bow their heads. If you never prayed a prayer like this before, I encourage you to pray along with me. Or perhaps you'd like to recommit your life to Jesus Christ this morning. That would be good as well. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. 
I've done wrong things. I've done things that were simply what I wanted to do and not what I know you wanted me to do. I repent. I turn away from those things. I believe that Jesus died on the cross that my sins might be forgiven. Please forgive me. I believe he rose from the dead. He's alive today. And I commit my life to following him and his plans for my life. All the days of my life. Let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for the privilege that you have made it possible for us to converse with the creator of the universe. To communicate with the creator of the universe. Not just to talk to you, but to listen to you. Give us ears to hear the things that you wish to communicate with us. Give us a heart to obey the things you tell us to do. We thank you that you want us to know your will so that we can pray and ask you for things that are according to your will and you'd be happy to give us those things. Thank you that we can cause your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven through our prayers through our actions, bringing the reality of heaven to this earth. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth, through us, as it is in heaven. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you've made a commitment or recommitment of your life today, I'd like to ask you to check a box on the back of your Connect card. We also have some... Materials on the table in the foyer, startup studies, the New Believers New Testament, they're free. We encourage you to pick those up to help you in your walk with God. Uh, next Sunday, we're concluding our message series. I think I've said I'm concluding a number of times, but I keep finding other things I'm going to be adding to this series. I think we're concluding next week uh, with the message, Honest Prayer, about how we can pray honestly before God. We've certainly seen that in Abram's prayer. We want to go into it in a little more depth. I'm going to talk about a God story. God stories are simply accounts, uh, real stories, not made-up stories, of how God answers prayer in our lives. And I, I believe God wants us to share the stories that we have of God answering prayers in our lives. It might be a big thing, it might be not so big thing, a small thing. But as we do, we encourage one another. We see God is alive, God is working. So think about your own life. Think what kind of God stories you have. And let me know, and we'll find a way for you to share them uh, with us. If you're deathly afraid of public speaking, you know, you can write it out, and uh, if that's helpful for you, or somebody else can give it for you as well. So... Don't be shy. There's many ways we can, we can share and encourage one another with God's stories. I'm going to give you a God's story today in my own life. It just happened this last week. I'm a chaplain for the Baldwin Police Department. Uh, our announcer, Doug Schaeffler, is the chief of police in Baldwin. So we're well protected here. Uh, this morning, just snap a finger and all these police would show up. Right, Doug? Yeah. So... Uh, <clears throat> What I do from time to time is do what's called ride-alongs with the officers. I go to the police station and I ride along in a car as they do their 
tour around the city of Baldwin. And uh, I was on a ride-along last uh, Monday night. And oftentimes, you, you know, you're just chatting with the officer. He's telling you about what they're doing and their lives and asking about my life and the church and different things. It's often a very pleasant conversation. And at, we're having this conversation, nothing much happening. Some ride-alongs, nothing happens. I mean, just this conversation, absolutely nothing happens. Uh, but all of a sudden, a call comes in the radio that, um, a 32-year-old mother had collapsed and was not breathing in a house in Baldwin. So all of a sudden, I knew what was going to happen. I hang on real tight because the sirens go on and we're racing through the streets of Baldwin at a high rate of speed. And I'm praying, you know, God, I'm not ready to die yet. And, but they're always good drivers and they dodge the cars and we're weaving in and out. And eventually we get to the house. The officer... Uh, grabbed his equipment, said, stay in the car. He's going to have to stay in the car. And, uh, and he ran into the house. And so uh, I'm sitting in the car, and I just feel prompted by the Holy Spirit. Begin to pray, you know, pray for this woman. Uh, pray that God would save her life. We didn't know any of the circumstances at that point. Pray that God would save her life. And so I'm praying. About five minutes later, the EMT truck pulls up with, I think usually four technicians were in there, and they go into the house. And I'm waiting, I'm praying. Eventually, I don't know how long it was, it seemed like a long time, maybe 15, 20 minutes, uh, everybody started coming out of the house. It was dark, I couldn't see everything, uh, but the officer came back to, to the car. I said, well, what happened? He said, well, I went in there, she wasn't breathing, and I began to give her CPR, and uh, somewhere in there, he had this special equipment. I think it's a defibrillator or something like that. And he gave shocks to her heart. And her heart started beating again. And she started breathing again. And the EMT people came in and stabilized her. And eventually, they, they brought her out and rushed her to uh, St. Luke's Hospital. Uh, the woman had just had a child. Uh, we still don't know exactly what was wrong with her. It, I mean, it seemed to be some heart problem. This was not, this was not a drug overdose or anything like that. It was some something in her, her health. She was just um, probably minutes from death if we hadn't got there in the nick of time, and uh, and so I I told the officer I'd been praying for him, and uh, and the woman. He said, "Well, thanks. It worked. Uh, you know that uh, she came back." And began to breathe. Her heart's, heart started to beat. He said, well, there must have been a reason, uh, you know, for you riding along with me tonight. And later on, I talked to him a little bit more. And he said, well, you know, this doesn't happen a lot. And he'd been an a officer for some 20-plus years with the Baldwin Police Department. He said, this is the 10th time I've given CPR uh, to somebody in dire need. 10th time. And out of the 10, 8 died. And this was the second one that lived. And it was the first time that he'd ever used this defibrillator to get somebody's heart uh, started again. And so I thank God a, a life was saved. You know, I, I believe it wasn't an accident. I was there and was praying. And, um, and for the assistance, uh, assistance of that officer. Let's just, it's not me, let's give God a hand that, you know, through prayer he, he did something wonderful.
So again, I encourage you, if you've got a story, now that, you know, that was kind of a dramatic story for me. All stories aren't like that, but it happened, and we give thanks to God. It might be a smaller thing. Let me know your God's stories, and we'll find a way to share them. At the very end here, we're going to have a, a, a brief time of, of prayer for healing. We're talking about physical healing, yes, emotional healing, spiritual healing, we're going to pray for those who are here, uh, pray for those that you know that aren't here, that need healing in their lives as well. Exodus 15, 26 says, if you will diligently listen, there it is again, isn't it, to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. I am the Lord, your healer. God is a God who heals. Perhaps in some song or somewhere you've heard the term Jehovah Rapha. Well, that's the Hebrew for I am the Lord that heals you. Uh, God is a God who heals. Uh, this is the Old Testament. Every Sunday we're going to see another verse. God is a healing God. He wants to heal people. But he heals through our prayers as we believe God's word and pray according to his will. And so this morning, is there anything in your life that you need healing from? If there's anybody you know that needs healing, I'd encourage you just to, as an act of faith, just raise your hand up right now and so that we know we're going to be praying for you. are not going to invite you to come up, but most of us know people who need healing in their lives of one kind or another. You know, an addiction is neat. somebody who's addicted needs healing relationships need healing all kinds of things need healing so let's pray and as I pray as I pray pray along with me keep your hand up just just as an act of faith father today we thank you that you are Jehovah Rapha we thank you that you are the Lord who heals as hard as it is for us to understand you want to heal people and you have chosen to work through the prayers of your people and so, God, we pray for every hand raised here. Uh, we pray for that need that is being expressed. We pray for you as the healer to go by your Holy Spirit and bring healing in that situation. We pray according to your will, God. We pray according to your word. We thank you that you are moving, and we pray that you would remind us to continue to pray for these needs on our own as well, that you would bring healing and restoration that through that you draw people closer to yourself and that we could give you the glory in and through it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to have our last song, All Things New. You can come up now, Robert. Uh, so let's uh, stand as we worship. You know, I just believe that as we lift our hands, um, the song, I guess it's really appropriate that, you know, somehow God has made something all new as we prayed this morning. I don't know what it is, but I just know and feel it in my heart that a relationship's been changed, a heart's been made new, a, a mind's been made new. So we give you thanks, oh Lord.
what's broken and make it whole again. Well, here's the pieces of my heart. What can you do with them? I can't hold them all together. So I let them fall, surrender to the Lord. You make all things new. You make all. But only you can do and make all things new. Only you can bring such beauty from the depths of all my pain. Only you can take this shattered heart and make it beat again oh you hold us all together in your hand i surrender all i am and all i am you make all What only you can do and make all things new. From the ashes, from the dust, I will rise up, rise up. Out of darkness, in the light, I will rise up, rise up. From the dust I will rise up, rise up. Out of darkness into light I will rise up, rise up. You make all things new. Do what only you can do and make all things oh, all things you make all things Let's pray, Father, we 
thank you that you make all things new. You bring healing into the lives of people and make us make people new. You mend the broken pieces of our hearts, broken pieces of our lives, make us whole new people and you new creations in Christ. Pray that you do that in each of our lives as we go forth this week, and we pray that we would be ambassadors of healing to the people around us. That wherever we go and see brokenness, we would bring healing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we will have uh, time for a personal prayer. And that's where I and the prayer team will be up front. We encourage you to come forward. We'll pray personally with you and any needs that you may have. We prayed all together, and that's great. We also want to have time for personal prayer. And uh, feel free to come up for that. And then we do have... My clicker is not working. So uh, we do have the a luncheon available downstairs immediately after the service. Everyone's invited. There's plenty of food. If you didn't bring food or you didn't know we're having it, that's okay. Come down. There's always great food. And uh, we encourage you to come down. Uh, there's great, usually great desserts too, okay? In case, in case you didn't want to eat uh, anything but dessert, you can even do that. We won't say anything. Uh, so we encourage you to come down for that as well. So God bless. Have a great week.